It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. We've all been there. You have a question about your credit card, you call the number for help, and can't get a hold of anyone. If you only had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right, a real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Today, she is a best-selling author and world-renowned Buddhist teacher. But for many years, Pema Chodron was simply known as Deirdre. Born in 1936, Deirdre Blumfeld Brown grew up on a farm in New Jersey and lived what she calls a perfectly conventional life. With the help of scholarships, she attended a prestigious prep school and college before marrying a lawyer and having two children. While working towards her master's degree, her marriage crumbled. Soon after, she married her second husband, a free-spirited writer. After eight years, that marriage also ended in a devastating divorce that brought her to her knees. She tried different therapies at the time and spiritual paths to heal, but nothing seemed to help until she began exploring Buddhism, which she says spoke directly to her pain and suffering. In 1981, after years of study with Buddhist masters, she became one of the first Western women to be fully ordained as a Buddhist nun in the Tibetan tradition. She changed her name to Pema, children, which loosely translated means Lamp of the Truth. Today, Pema teaches how ancient Buddhist principles can apply to our modern everyday life. She has written many popular books, including one of my favorites, When Things Fall Apart. Heart Advice for Difficult Times. So welcome, Ani Pema Children. Thank you. Thank you so much. I have to tell you that this book, When Things Fall Apart, Heart Advice for Difficult Times, has been like a talisman for me. It's been a, a resource and many times to remind me to come back to center. And I know that your work in this book and in many teachings have... Um, been a stabling force for people. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you. So honored to be able to talk to you. Thank you. What's so fascinating about understanding how to come back to center when things fall apart is that usually in the spaces where and times when we most fall apart is where there's the most to learn. And what struck me about your life story is that it was the moment of falling apart you say your second husband has been one of your greatest teachers. Can you tell us why? Well, he was one of my greatest teachers because uh, he left me. That's a simple truth. I mean, it was really clear that he was out of there. Can you take me back to that day? 
You describe it in the book. Yeah, I describe it in the book. And what actually happened is I was in northern New Mexico near Taos, out in front of our adobe house, drinking a cup of tea. And then the car drove up sort of behind the house. I heard the door slam, came around the corner of the house, and just said it, blunted it out, you know, that uh, things haven't been going well with us. I'm having an affair with somebody else, and I, we need to get a divorce. And uh, so then I described That's that. kind of stunning. Yeah. So it was so uh, shocking, mm -hmm. I suppose even traumatizing, that I had that experience that I describe where it was just timeless moment of total eternal silence. Because had you suspected an affair? Had oh, you, you know, looking back, things were really bad mm -hmm. between us anyway, but I, somehow I wanted it to keep going. But it still came as a total out of the blue. There you are drinking your cup of tea. Your second husband pulls up and says, this is it. I'm having an affair. Yeah. So everything fell apart. I, I just somehow couldn't get it all to come back together. And I think I also have to say that in the book, which is that I wanted it to come back together. Because for me, happiness seemed to represent just going back to what I had had, which was not very happy, mm -hmm. but it represented security and the known and everything. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this happened, and suddenly I was just out there, and I couldn't get it to come back. It wasn't going to come back. And so I, I actually had to learn something about being in that space of everything, not, no ground at all, just groundless, you know. Were you one of those women who defined your life by that picture, playing that role, having the man, being married, being dependent? Were you one of those oh, people? Oh, I was definitely one of those people. And so you know, the big, big lesson for me uh, coming out of it, it took about three or more years before I really was through it, a lot of grieving and so forth. But uh, the big lesson was I, I would call non-attachment. I didn't realize how attached I was to having to have somebody else confirm me mm -hmm. as being okay. Like, mm -hmm. in other words, it didn't come from inside me. It came from someone else's view of me. Yes. You know? So when I was 20 years old, I got married the first time. So I went from my family to my first marriage and then left the, my first husband, the children's father, for the second husband. And so I, from the time I was 20 till when I was like 35, I was always uh, like well, somebody else's person, you know. Yeah. So all of a sudden I was right out there, and that's what I really learned. I came through it. Uh, I don't have that a kind of attachment anymore for, I don't have that need at all. I haven't for a long time, yeah. that need to be, confirmed by something from the outside in myself. And that's what your husband walking out on you Taught eventually me. led to that's teaching right, you. That's right, so th that's right. So that's the amazing thing. You know, Maya Angelou, who was a oh. mentor, mother, teacher for me, Yeah. Um, one of the things that she really implanted and imprinted, I think, with so many of us, and me in particular, I remember the day that she was telling me to say thank you when I was going through some crisis, yeah. but to say thank you because there's always a rainbow in the clouds. And, yeah. and, in, and in many cases, not even, a, not even just a rainbow. That's there's right. a rainbow, there's a whole nother open field waiting for you. That's right. So what is the first thing we should do when our lives fall apart? 
Hmm. Well, first of all, you, what you're saying here is at some point, if you, if you continue to be human, it will fall it apart. It will fall apart. I just gave a graduation speech mm -hmm. at uh, Naropa University in Boulder because my granddaughter just graduated from there. And um, the title of the talk was Fail, Fail Again, Fail Better. So I said, I think the most important thing for you kids uh, at going out into the world right now is to know how to fail really uh, well. The skill, skill of knowing how, how to hold the pain of things happening that you really don't want to be happening. Like training to be able to welcome or uh, allow that kind of unwanted feelings, that pain, the rawness, I called it the rawness of vulnerability. Yes, yes. And, and okay, something terrible is happening, and then it's an opportunity. It's like what Maya Angelou said to yes. you. There's, there's something, uh, something is going to come out of this, something new. You, this can end you up in a whole new place, a yes. better place, yes. a much more if open place. If you know place. that. If you know that. Yes. You've said that the Buddha has only really taught two things, suffering and the end of suffering. And suffering comes in so many forms. Can you speak to a moment about how we can begin the practice of ending our suffering? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I teach, you know? That's why you teach. That's yeah, the big question. That's right. That's right. I'm here to try. So one way is this practice that um, I began teaching uh, that we called compassionate abiding. Mm. So compassionate abiding is a practice where when you're suffering, then someone might say, uh, first, like located in your body mm -hmm. and just uh, feel it completely. Feel as completely as you can just what's going on. Then on the in-breath, just breathe it all in like as if, breathe in the breathe, suffering. Breathe it in. Or, or the discontent, or the dis... The, that whole unwanted. Unwanted. Just, That's what you mean. That, that is, I just want to clarify for our audience. Because when I first started reading Buddhist material and hearing the, about the Buddhist teachings about suffering, I was thinking, well, am I suffering? I don't know if I'm suffering. Because I used to think of suffering as suffering. Right, right, like right. You are, you can't like your childhood. Like your childhood. Suffer. Your childhood was suffering. Yes, yeah. 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 But then you might say, well, not, what, not now. Not now. I'm my suffering. lovely life. Yeah. But you suffer in different ways. Yeah. Macy's Mother's Day gift guide has the perfect gift to make mom feel special. Shop by price, like 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrance, handbags, and more. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything. Gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and for grandma. Get top gifts like Dolce & Gabbana Devotion, Eau de Parfum, Coach floral printed leather Cassie crossbody bag and Le Creuset shallot Dutch oven. Shop at Macy's.com slash gift finder. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
The word suffering is usually associated with something tragic like war, poverty, or the death of a loved one. When Pema uses the word suffering, however, she's also talking about times that are disruptive, that give us anxiety or despair, like losing a job, a stressful conflict in your family, or when you believe life isn't going your way. Every time you have something that is unwanted, right. that is makes you uncomfortable, yeah. where you really don't want to go, go there and insecure? deal with. insecure? Insecure. Yeah. That's what we mean by suffering. Yeah. Yes. And another way it's sometimes translated is discontent, you know? Discontent. Yeah. That's the perfect yeah. word. Yeah. How do we end so our discontent? So there's that discontent, and you recognize it, and you wish to be free of it. So it's, instead of running away or eating something, drinking something, whatever, or yelling at someone, instead you breathe it in. And sometimes I use the image of it's as if you breathe it into your heart and your heart just gets bigger and bigger. Every time you breathe in, the heart gets bigger and bigger. So that no matter how bad it feels, you just give it more space. So when you breathe in, you open to it, I guess you could say. Oh, I and get when this. you breathe out, you just send out a lot of space. Okay, so what you're really saying is, and I think this is so important for anybody going through anything, um, you have to first accept that what has happened has really happened. So that yeah. breathing in yeah. is like being with it and fully accepting That's right. this moment instead of trying to resist it and right. push it away. Sometimes I say, feel, what does your heart feel like? People will say, it feels like... Uh, like a rock. Mm. What does your stomach feel like? It, it feels like a knot, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, it's as if my whole body was clenched fists and mm -hmm. like this because I'm so miserable. Yeah. And say, okay, so breathe in and just let that heart open, let, let the stomach open. open. Let, it's as if you, when you breathe in, you were going like that, you okay. know? I surrender. I surrender, <laughs> you know? Mm, I know that. And you breathe in deeply. You breathe out deeply. And if you want to just do six in-breaths where you emphasize that, go right ahead, you know. But usually it's on the medium of the breath, breathing it in, kind of allowing it, welcoming it even, embracing it even. I mean, you can use whatever word works, you know. That's called compassionate abiding. Yeah, compassionate abiding with yourself. Yeah. And at a certain point, I mean, sometimes right away, sometimes a long time down the line, I have people say, you know, when you breathe in, you could recognize that all over the world, right now and in the past and in the future, people are going to feel exactly what you're feeling now. The feeling of being rejected, the feeling of being unloved, the feeling of insecurity, the feeling of fear, rage, whatever it is you're feeling, that human beings have always felt this and always will. And so you breathe in for everyone, mm -hmm. that they could welcome it, that they could say, I haven't done anything wrong, embrace it. Yeah. So do you see, it becomes a, by really knowing or uh, having a, that kind of deep friendship with yourself, yes. it, it translates into being merciful for others, to being compassionate for others. And the reason why I see it as so important is, again, the first step in being able to move forward yeah. is to be able to accept, fully accept where you are yeah. In any situation, you got to first accept it. That's right. And so right. running away from it is the exact opposite of that's acceptance. Right. So everybody tries to run away from it. We try it. to run away from it. Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's, that's almost like knee-jerk reaction. Yes. So 
this is a this is doing something else. Just be with it. That's the first thing Just you need to do. Just be with it, yeah. That sounds so hard, because <laughs> that's the opposite of what you want okay, to do. Okay, because... You want it to go away. I spent a lot of time just trying to encourage people that they have the capacity to feel pain or unpleasant feelings or suffering, whatever you want to call it. Just allow yourself to be fully human. Human beings don't just feel good. Have you noticed that? And animals, too, you know? We don't just feel good. The, the, the richness of life includes the whole tapestry of good and bad and happy and sad. And so, but happy, good, winning, all of that, people don't have too much problem with, you know? But it's, as soon as you even get near something that feels uncomfortable, uncomfortable abuse, substance abuse comes from that. Uh, all kinds of addictions come from that. Uh, I think all uh, like uh, violence and uh, domestic violence and about violence to kids and, and all that. I think it all comes, comes, from that. comes from that. Everyone, that's a sad thing. Everyone's trying to feel good and they do terrible things to feel good. To make themselves, everybody trying to make themselves feel good, to quiet the noise that's here exactly. that they can't be with. That's right. And they reach out externally to do that. That's right. One of the things I like so much is at the very beginning of, of uh, When Things Fall Apart, you talk about fear, and I love this quote. You say, fear is a natural reaction to moving closer to the truth. I went, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Come on, Miss Pema. That does sound good. That I does. Know. Come on, Miss Pema. Fear Did is I a... say that? That yes. is good. That is good. <laughs> That is the fear is a natural reaction to moving, moving closer, closer to, to the, the truth. truth. I guess what I meant by that, <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes the mind... Oh, you're like me. Sometimes I see something and it'll say Oprah Winfrey and I go, did I say that? That made more sense than I thought. Yeah, that's good. But no, that's that was powerful. Fear is a natural reaction. And moving closer, closer to, to the, the truth. truth. Yeah. And I, I think probably partially in any way what I meant by that was that... Uh, Fear comes with uh, not knowing what's going to happen. The unknown. Yeah, well, you don't know what's going to happen next. But fear, in fact, in the, the Shambhala teachings, I'm part of, a, you know, the, the lineage that I'm part of is called Shambhala. And um, so one of the Shambhala teachings is um, uh, not, if you don't know the nature of fear, if you don't know what fear feels like, then you can never be fearless. How's that for a quote? Not knowing the nature of fear, you can never be fearless. Ooh, that's good. That's good. It is good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm taking it in. And I, I, I think people need to know, I remember on the Oprah show, I've been talking about these principles and practices for a long time, and I remember talking to a gentleman on the show, and he said, I ain't afraid of nothing. Because a lot of people think of it as, you know, activated physical fear. But when we're speaking of fear, and those of you who are super solars obviously know this, but if you're a first-timer, we're talking about all of the ramifications and manifestations of fear. Yeah. Anxiety is fear. Yeah, anxiety. Jealousy yeah, is fear. that's right. Low self-esteem is fear. Rage is nothing but fear. That's right. Rage is that's fear right. to the tenth power. That's right, that's right. Um, do you think loneliness is fear? Um, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought of it before. 
Well, uh, I love a moment that I hadn't, I've never thought. What a great yeah. question. Do I think loneliness is fear? fear? Well, you, you have the rest of your life to think about that. Right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'll call you. <laughs> my, first response, my, what is, uh, my first response is yes, because as a little girl, I think I was. I mean, I did this exercise with John Bradshaw once, who was, um, he was a master teacher on the inner child. Yeah. And he did this exercise where you go back to your, walk yourself, your six-year-old self, home from school, and get to the door and look through the window and what do you see? Ah. Yeah. Look inside and what do you see? So it's the only time I ever felt overwhelmed by a sense of loneliness. Mm. You know, as a little one. As a little girl. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of lonely, can I ask you, have you ever been lonely? Uh, yeah, I used to be lonely. You used to be lonely. But uh, the last time I remember being lonely was maybe about 20 years ago mm -hmm. when I, I had something happen where everybody left me, so to speak, mm -hmm. and I was all alone in a remote cabin, and, and the feeling of loneliness was just desperate. And so I started calling up my friends. First, I called up a, a man friend of mine, then I called up a woman friend of mine, and they were both very helpful and compassionate. And then I put down the phone and I said, you know, actually nobody can help you out of this. You just have to be lonely and just relate to it. And somehow after that, I was never lonely again. Never lonely Because I realized that, that you didn't, those other people weren't really going to... They can't gonna, fix it. They can't fix it. They can't no, fix it, no. yeah. And then I thought about death, you know? Mm -hmm. That's going to be all alone, so might as well be good Certainly and ready do it for alone. that. Yeah. Certainly do. It's, I mean, you can be yours. surrounded, but yeah. but uh, it's you go by yourself. Go by yourself. So, what do you think death is? What do I think death is? Mm -hmm. Well, personally, myself, I'm not afraid of it uh, because I think of it as a transition uh, to what happens when we die. Well. I'm going to say what I feel, but I also always like to say, this is what I think happens, but I'm willing, I'm ready to be surprised <laughs> <laughs> if it's different. I'm going to say, hey, I got it wrong, you yeah. know? But I think just the way you go to sleep at night yeah. and there's this whole dream world, mm -hmm. I think when you die, you enter into a... The, the you whole wake thing, up? I think everything continues. I do too. And, uh, and then I think you end up getting born again and life goes on. Yeah, that, I, do, I do think merrily, 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 life is but a, a dream. dream. Yeah, I do too. Pema Chodron often talks about a phenomenon that Buddhists call Shenpa. It's a Tibetan word for those obsessive feelings and urges that we just can't seem to release. Like the resentment that remains long after somebody has been unkind to us or getting overwhelmed by frustration when we fail, that craving for a cigarette or something sweet to ease a stressful day, that's a shenpa. It's how we get hooked or taken over by a negative experience. So you lose yourself in whatever that moment is. That's right. I lost my job. I didn't get the grades I thought I was going to have. Yeah. I didn't get the... You disappointment. Get disappointment. At, you get taken over by that right. and feel that now you are that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's what Shempa is. Yeah, Shempa is that feeling of being hooked. So, for instance, I was just talking to someone yesterday who's going through a crisis. And I said... Uh, First of all, uh, remove yourself from the situation, by which I meant just go for a walk, you know, get, get out when, when the, when the uh, right. thing's getting intense. 
So just suppose you lost your job. So the, yeah. the same thing would be true. Find, give yourself some space. Yeah. And find, make it a priority to give yourself literally some space. Go to a library if you have to, you yeah. know, or a park or somewhere where no one's going to talk to you. Yeah. You're not going to talk to them. And be, uh, be right there with the feeling without, without trying to run away from it. It would be like go and walk on the beach with the feeling. Yeah. Be alone with it. Yeah. And then this is the hard part, and this is where meditation actually really comes in as a big help. Uh, notice your thoughts and notice what you're saying to yourself mm -hmm. and notice how it's all about either about you're wrong or they're wrong. Somehow you're blaming yourself. There's that self-hatred, uh, self-denigration, yeah. real What love, did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Really feeling bad about yeah. yourself. Why me? Why me? Or just strike out, strike out, blame, blame, blame the husband, blame the boss, blame the teacher who gave you the grade or, you know. So notice that. And then with meditation, you, you actually train and notice your thinking, come back to just being present. Notice your thinking, just come back to being present. We call that here on Super Soul, come back to the observer, observe the thought, and then be aware that you are the observer and that you're not the thought. That's right. Yeah. And come back to just the immediacy of your experience rather than coming back to being someone like the observer. Do you see what I'm saying? Like get, it's more like um, not so much about self as about just genuine experiencing of the present, like touching this chair arm, uh, feeling the warmth of the cup. Yes. So be aware of everything in the present moment. Yeah, Bring yourself back to present moment. That's right. So this is the interesting thing when you uh, turn toward the unwanted, unpleasant, insecure feelings. Some it transforms you in some kind of way. I what I think of well, it, you own them. That's right. Literally own them. That's right. Yeah. And what I think really happens is people connect with the fact that they are basically good. They're basically good. They're not basically messed up or broken goods or that there's something fundamentally wrong with Yes, you. but then the next question becomes, I'm a good person. Why did this happen to me? And I know some people lose their faith around issues like this because their prayer. Because God, you didn't do what That's I right. asked you to do. So I would just say uh, nothing wrong has actually happened here. You, you have lost your job. Uh, life is pointing you in a different direction, like another opportunity has opened up here for you. And at the very least, and this is the, probably the most important thing, is this is an opportunity to really start to welcome those kind of really stuck, uh, activated, painful kind of feelings. Mm -hmm. And It's happening so you will go there. Yeah. It's happening so you will go there. Yeah. So for me and a lot of people I've encountered, the losing the job, the failure coming in any kind of form, what's really, what it really gets to is at the core of it, you feel like you really messed up and you yeah. are fundamentally a mess up. A mess, yeah. 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 And that, but that's an ego thing, isn't it? That is, a, that's the crux of ego. That's the main uh, yes. shempa. The main attachment is to that, yes. to that. But if you just say, let's just say, let's make friends with the ego rather than, uh, you know, try to obliterate it or call it bad. Yeah. And making friends with it means know it 100% completely, don't reject it. And believe it or not, that's how you begin to become a more egoless person because 
The only reason we do this grasping and fixating and all of this, which we call ego, if I'm making sense mm -hmm. here, You're making sense. Uh, is uh, because we feel we have something to protect. We don't want to go to that place. We don't want to feel that way. Yeah. And this is why I teach is because if people can hold or embrace or allow uh, or get their nervous system so they can handle the suffering, the uncomfortableness, the insecurity, then the discontent, then there is a chance of letting the evolution happen. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Are you ready to unlock your inner greatness? If so, make sure to listen to my podcast, The School of Greatness, hosted by me, Lewis Howes. Join me as I sit down with world-class performers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover their secrets to success with new episodes every single week. Whether you're striving for personal growth, business mastery, or simply seeking inspiration, The School of Greatness has something for you. And you can find it on SiriusXM, Pandora, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe and follow to the show so you never miss an episode and start your journey to greatness today. So yours was a, would you say even now that was a, that was a full circle drastic turn you made from wife, mother, dependent on somebody else's view of yourself. And was it happenstance or was it just a calling that you felt to become a nun? I had never felt any calling to become a nun. In fact, once it, when I was uh, living in northern New Mexico in the area of the communes, I was at a commune and I remember I had this long purple dress and I had long straight hair and I was thinking I looked like great, you know, standing out in a garden and this rabbi who happened to be at the commune at that time came up to me and he said, I just had a vision of you as a nun. And he might as well have just said, I had a vision of you as a, as a werewolf or something. Like, <laughs> I was so insulted. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it was the last thing I ever thought of. But then when, um, you know, when all everything came to pass with the marriage, two marriages breaking up and everything, and I began to get interested in uh, spirituality, and then that led to Buddhism, um, then... I was living at this um, community in England, a Buddhist community, and, uh, and this teacher came through who was very important to me, and he was giving the ordination, monk's ordination, nun's ordination, and um, everyone in the whole place, which was about 30 people, was trying to decide whether to do it or not do it, so it was like the topic. And for some reason, I thought, doing it is forward, not doing it is backward. I don't know, it just, for, at that point, it meant forward. I, can't, I don't, can't say any other way, you know? My whole life I've had that instinct of what's forward. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. It makes but... all the sense to me. I think everybody has patterns. Yeah. And it's your job to figure out what your pattern is. Mine is, 
I've learned as much as I can learn doing this thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now I need to go move forward. forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it happens when I when I've learned as much as I can learn at that thing, and then something else opens itself. And nowadays, itself. forward, I never know where forward is going to be these days. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But but somehow there's always forward. A forward. Yeah. Yes. I think so as long as there's still breath, there is forward. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. How do you define spirituality versus religion? What is spirituality? You well, talk about it like going out in the boat. All right. It's like getting into a boat and leaving the shore and going out where you can't see the shoreline anymore yes. and you're not really sure mm -hmm. if you're ever going to get back because it's big so out vast there. and That's open. Right. Yes, yes. And I guess there would be a lot of different ways people would talk about religion, but nowadays I think we think of it unfortunately as that which separates people like people holding on to beliefs whereas spirituality could be a definition that it's about going beyond beliefs maybe i love that and that's what i mean about when you stop being fixed about how it has to be and who you have to be and you let it it becomes more like a river you're more like a river than a rock if you know what i'm saying yeah. like it keeps moving yeah. forward because that's natural that's just natural. that is what being human is i think so is to know that change is a part of our being here yeah and you know that's a basic buddhist tenet also you know change is just the way things are yes so i suppose you could to say expect things not to change is and so maybe that's another human. way of saying fail fail again fail better you know fail, like it's, fail again. things are going to keep changing and if you're invested in security and certainty, then you're going to be, no. you're not going to feel good a no. lot of the then time. Then you're on the wrong planet. <laughs> you are on the, the wrong, wrong planet. planet. But I always say it's Because things like, are changing around here. <laughs> That's right. I love what you say in A Guide to Compassionate Living. We already have everything we need. Ooh, that is such a powerful line. That's such a p powerful line. We already have, have everything, everything we, need. we need. I really believe that. Yeah. But you say we have everything we need. There is no need for self-improvement. <laughs> I'm going to ask you about that in a minute. <laughs> All these trips that we lay on ourselves, the heavy-duty fearing that we're bad and hoping that we're good, the identities that we so dearly cling to, the rage the jealousy and the addictions of all kinds, never touch our basic wealth. I love that. They are like clouds that temporarily block the sun, but all the time our warmth and brilliance are right here. This is who we really are. We are one blink of an eye away from being fully awake. That is some brilliant writing, Sister Pena. <laughs> it does again. Sounds pretty good to me, too. <laughs> Where is that from? That is from... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I can learn something from these books. <laughs> that is from your book, Start Where You Are, A Guide to Compassionate Living, and it's actually page three. Hmm. But what do you mean that we don't need self-improvement? Now, that's the only thing I thought. Don't need self-improvement. I understand fundamentally what you're saying, that who you who you really are right is already just fine because right. you are that which comes from all from the source of all things but the idea of 
constantly trying to get better, even fail better, is, is something that I, I think. So like, and you call that self-improvement? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I'm using self-improvement there as sort of derogatory. <laughs> yeah. You, you're so, meaning the big self. I, I'm self meaning, with a capital uh, S. I, I'm really meaning uh, there's something wrong with me and I have to, uh, like, I, my, the way I look isn't good enough. The way I, uh, yeah. uh, the way I keep my house isn't good enough. I think that's what I'm getting at is if self-improvement means that I'm going to be different than I am now. So if the view instead is that there's nothing wrong here, I haven't done anything wrong, but there's things that, that are uh, obstructing me from really fully feeling that, well then let's just look at those things and know them completely and utterly. Let's know our rage, let's know our fear, let's know our uh, resentment. Do you see what I'm saying? I got it. And um, by knowing it, uh, listening to uh, what you say about yourself and letting some of that negative self-talk go, you know, then the fundamental thing is there. It's like the sun is always shining, but there's clouds that yeah, are obstructing yeah. it. So That's why but, I love that moment in the plane when if it's raining, if it's pouring rain on the ground, and you get in the airplane and you shoot up above the clouds and there is the sun. That's right. It's always there. I know. It's always I there. I love it too. It never went anywhere, actually. It never went anywhere. So that's the, that is a classic image for basic wholeness or basic uh, worthiness or basic goodness, you know. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.